We don't slut shame around here. They say we are what we eat. Does that come in organic? So who are you eating? I believe they call that an ethical slut. Can I unplug your phone so I can charge my vibrator? I can't believe he couldn't find it. Fuck it. Let's roll. You're listening to Eat, Play, Sex with Dr. Cat, The place to up-level that sexy life of yours. With expert talk on sex, love, and nutrition. Hey lovers, and welcome to another episode of Eat, Play, Sex. I'm your sex expert, Dr. Kat. Now I get women and femme coming into my office in tears because they maybe haven't had an orgasm before, or they aren't really that interested in sex, or their partner complains that they don't initiate enough. Now, our desire and our ability to become aroused is influenced by contextual factors. Some of these contextual factors about ourselves, or about the environment or even about the other person can put on the brakes and some of them can put on the accelerators and turn us on. So in this episode, we will be talking about one factor in particular that could be the culprit for putting on the brakes. And it has to do with maybe you and your partner, not pleasing the pussy the way that she or they needs to be. So part of this is a result of our cultural conditioning, limiting our idea of sex and what we're quote unquote supposed to be doing. And today is that episode where I share with you the techniques on pleasing a pussy that are beyond the traditional sense. So get out your notebook, and turn on your fantasy skills because this is gonna be so much fun. Let us begin our little journey talking about how we define sex. Now, all of us define sex differently based on what we've experienced in our lives, both for the better and for the worse, but I'm mainly talking about the culturally constructed idea of what sex is. And this is the image of sex that we get in the media and the magazines and TV, and even what we hear from peers or from porn. We've been given this image of sex that's actually based on the male model of sex, believe it or not. So the, the medical model of male sex is very linear and moves from excitement to plateau, to orgasm, to refractory period. Now, first of all, this isn't necessarily how women's sexual stages of arousal or sex happen. Ours is actually a lot more of like a circle with some squiggly lines (laughs) having to do a lot with whether um, sometimes we have to be turned on before we can have desire for sex or sometimes there's contextual factors, like I said, that put on the break and we can instantly be like, eh, and no more. I don't want the sex anymore. <laughs> this can be really frustrating for somebody who may assume that their body is just supposed to be turned on like a light switch and that's how easy it is. Or we see our partner and that's how easy it is. And we look at ourselves and our bodies don't operate in that way. And, and that can lead to a lot of frustration and shock shutting down or avoiding sex because it's not quote unquote working the way that we think it's supposed to, or we think it's more broken. Similarly, we get these images of sex that it's heterosexual, it's for specific really hot people, it's penetration focused, it's Mm, hard erections. You have to have an erection it, that you, in order to have successful sex, you know, quote unquote, successful sex. And even those, just those right there, 
set us up for failure because what if for a guy we're not able to experience a pen- experience an erection for this that or the other reason maybe contextual factors maybe something in our in our head about performance or being a good lover or maybe a past experience where it didn't work and now it's impacting us or putting pressure on us to perform here like that is already also contributing to us. Something's wrong with me. I'm broken. I can't do this. And, and it just exacerbates this, this pressure on us for femme or vulva owners. If we have this idea in our head that we, it is sexist penetration. What if our, what if our pussy doesn't want penetration? What if when something is inserted, it doesn't feel good. Or maybe we have painful sex. Maybe we have mm, like vaginismus or dyspareunia, which are two, two challenging effects of the vulva that makes sex very painful or even prevent penetration from happening at all. If you've noticed, sex in our society is very goal-oriented. It's orgasm-focused. Like we go into it with this thing that we're moving towards and we we almost like narrow our vision and not even fully embrace the journey and the pleasure of it but we're we do everything to seek that that end goal so we end up going pretty fast we end up um, moving into penetration quickly, we might experience a lot of friction. So, you know, rapid movement and going really fast and hard and, and building heat and a lot of, it takes a lot of energy to do this and to sustain this. And so, you know, we joke around in the society around how sex doesn't last very long or, you know, like, uh, doing like 11 minutes, whatever. And, and it's almost like, well, that, I don't know for me, that's too bad. <laughs> um, nice. You know, you reach this climax that's relieving or, you know, might relax your body, but how long does that last? It lasts like two seconds, five seconds at the most, five seconds is, is um, you know, seemingly a good, good time, but where is all the rest of it? And then when we are paying attention to what's happening in between start, initiation, and orgasm, we might find ourselves performing, you know, and like moving our body or or like sucking in our gut or holding our bodies in a position to where we look the skinniest or the most, you know, quote unquote attractive. But all of this is preventing both our authentic pleasure and our orgasmic potential. Like we see these images in porn or in movies or, you know, and and I want to preface this with there's nothing inherently wrong with that when we're seeing it through the lens of that's entertainment. But we do have to be mindful that all of this is imprinting on our minds as reference points of how sex, you know, goes in our little file folder in our brain of what sex is supposed to be or look like. So this is really important to deconstruct what sex means for us to be able to actually create the sex that is most authentic for us. I I also see how focused we can be on developing the worth of us, of ourselves as a lover, 
And as a result, focus on the pleasure or getting the other person off rather than focusing on our own pleasure and focusing on our own orgasm or experiencing our own own orgasm. Now, I don't say that with meaning that um, I'm supporting selfish sex because I'm not. Selfishness is the exclusion of the desires or the pleasure or the orgasm of the other person. And I'm saying healthy sex is being considerate of the other person and listening to them and and shifting and, and being mindful of them. But it's not hard focusing on getting them off or making their pussy wet or making their dick hard because that's actually taking you out of your body and more into this mm, analytical or technical space in your mind or even attaching your validation or worth, like I said a moment ago, to their own bodies responding to, to something. And Yo, we end up making very codependent relationships with our sexuality when we do that. Because it's almost, we turn into this like, ooh, I'm a sex god because I can make every woman squirt. And it's like, okay, bro, good for you. But then what happens if, say, the woman's body or the femme's body is not responding to your techniques and your sex godness? How is that going to impact you? Like, how is that going to feel for you? And are you going to, A, try to force her body into to making her squirt just to alleviate your inner <laughs> wounded self or, or to meet that validation that you are a, an excellent developed lover or sex god? Are you going to blame her and tell her that she's broken? Are you going to listen to the cues of her body and let her body be intelligent, even more in intelligent in this case than, than your ego or your mind that's telling her why what she's doing wrong or how she needs to do differently? Like there, there's so much that can happen here. And I think it's important for us to be able to, to separate and create more sovereignty around our sexual, uh, around our sexuality, around our pleasure, around our orgasms. Like I own my orgasms. I own the responsibility of being able to tune into my body and feel into what it needs. And, and if I don't know what it needs, practice, learn, educate myself and, and then communicate what it is that I need. So I probably need to develop skills of communication um, around sex, around around pleasure, around being in my body, around orgasm. And similar with the other person, you know, can they hold the responsibility of learning about their sexuality, about their needs and about how to communicate that so that both people aren't reliant or codependent upon the other person to, to make them orgasm or or give them the information about what their body needs or, um, or have the other person even meet them in a, 
initiating space that is meaningful for them. Like all of this is our own individual uh, responsibility. And then we get to co-create something together um, where we get to learn about the sexual scripts, the pleasures, the activities that we both like so that we're not enmeshing in each other, um, trying to trying to enroll the other person to do that work for ourselves. So all of this to say, it's really important to deconstruct the idea of sex and redefine it for ourselves. That sex isn't just these things that I listed. And if you notice that your actions are these things that I've listed, then then you know, be kind to yourself, first of all, because this is what's been imprinted on in us. This is what's been programmed in us. And it literally influences our actions, our behaviors, our thoughts, our fantasies, our expectations on another person, even our words. And so if we redefine sex as not these things, but really the encompassing of all sexual activity. So if we're dating somebody and we fool around with them, they go down on, uh, on our pussy or we suck their cock or whatever it is, or maybe, you know, we do anal, but we're like, but we didn't have sex yet. Yes, you did. You had sex just by the nature of being in that sexual energy and, and moving and entwining with yourself with that. I think we, we create a hierarchy of sexual activity and we say, see, this is the line of where sex is. Please remember, this is old traditional concepts around sex that are based in patriarchal <laughs> ideas around sex and, and our worth. You know, if this is like in in high school being Catholic schoolgirl, not me, but maybe somebody else. But this idea of somebody being Catholic schoolgirl and, and they they'll fool around that. Oh, 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 but I didn't sin because I didn't have sex, quote unquote. No, girl, you did. And this is because we are the products of this patriarchal idea of what sex is and, and clean and virginity, you know, quote unquote, all these terms that really don't exist beyond what has been humanly constructed to, to create worth and power and dirtiness and clean, like all of that bullshit. Like, I don't even believe in, in virginity. Virginity isn't something that can be lost or given away to. It's not even black or white, really, because consent can also contribute to our ideas around our first time, you know, and there's, there can end up being so much shame around that, that script around virginity. So I think it's really important to, to redefine it as more of something of choice that you get to define and, and then think of it as more of a sexual debut. Like when do I make my debut into my sexuality? There's a way more empowering script than just this idea of losing or giving away our virginity. Now, with these ideas around sex or even around virginity, we have issues in our own sex lives because our bodies aren't optimally pleasured in just this one way or even just this idea of what's presented in the culture. But we either don't know that there's an infinite array of possibilities when it comes to satisfying sex 
or our bodies are dynamic and what we need in one moment can change in the next. And even our bodies change over years and what was easy and spontaneous or pleasurable earlier isn't the case now for so many reasons of changes of hormones or children or or time in our life or um, achy joints. (laughs) Know what I'm talking about. So one skill that I believe that we can all cultivate as a skill for amplifying our pleasure and our orgasmic potential in life and in sex is sensuality. And I've talked about this in previous episodes here on Eat, Play, Sex, but sensuality is a platonic relationship with our body. And it's the relationship to pleasure that we experience in the world through our five senses. Now I've got, I, I feel so strongly for sensuality and living a sensual lifestyle because it, it I believe that all of this pleasure you know really begins inside the body of course the brain is a big sexual organ as well and it's important to tend to that too but here in the body how much like sex happens here in the body <laughs> and so I've created a free guide to help you to jumpstart your lifestyle as a sensualist so I highly encourage taking back your weekend of pleasure and really luxuriating with my sensual Sundays guide, which is chock full of my favorite rituals and products to invite more sensuality into your life again. Now, I've also set up a monthly experience of Sensual Sundays workshops where I bring women and femme together in various practices around sensuality and sexuality. Everything from embodiment practices to orgasm tips to even the exploration of plant medicine and sensuality. Sundays are going to become your new favorite day. So check it out in the link in the show notes. Now, I also believe that bringing in more playfulness into our personal exploration is important in giving ourselves spaciousness for not knowing what we like. Because if we're approaching sex with this idea of, you know, I need to already know what to do, what I like, and how to get there, then it can become a very frustrating process. Play relaxes the pressure so that we can find more enjoyment in the pleasure rather than the production. So if you've been craving a deeper connection with your sensual and sexual self, I'm really excited to introduce you one of the world leaders in luxurious pleasure wands, Yoni eggs, feminine wellness products, and even waterproof sex blankets, which I have myself. (laughs) Meet Yoni Pleasure Palace which is founded by Rosie Reese, who has been on my podcast here on Eat, Play, Sex. She's an epic nude yoga teacher, a body image advocate, and a sexuality and relationship coach. I adore her. She's fucking fantastic. And her mission here with the Yoni Pleasure Palace is twofold. First, educate women on how to tone their pelvic floor using the yoni egg, and also to inspire women to really slow down using their mm, bespoke products such as the Sacred Squirter, which I have, and it's one of my favorite little glass toys. I love it. The Cervix Serpent and the Waterproof Squirt Blanket so that you can Feel soft and plushy underneath you, but also squirt everywhere and have easy, easy cleanup. Because one of the hardest reasons why we 
why we might not might not be able to squirt is because we're clenching. We don't want to make a mess. We don't want to let go. But if we have a blanket or a towel, which in this case, I love the luxuriousness and the, um, the softness of this blankets, hands down my favorite. I have a couple of blankets. This one's my favorite. And it's easy to be able to know, okay, this, this blanket got me, this blanket, it can hold me and I can fully just surrender into it because surrender is key for squirting. (laughs) Each glass and crystal product is 100% body safe, hypoallergenic, compatible with all lubricants and temperature responsive and free from petrochemicals and plastics and resins. Yay! Healthiness for a pussy! Now, they don't stop at products, but YPP is also firm believers in education and community. So you can join the Golden Yoni membership and experience the online sex education that you wish that you had in high school from Mr. Jones and Mrs. Smith. I don't know. Plus, you can jump into Rosie's famous squirt school where she teaches practices that deepen trust and the ability to surrender into the art of squirting. So you can explore the entire range of all of this pussy pleasure at yonipleasurepalace.com. And you can use my code, my personal code, Dr. Cat, that's D-R-C-A-T, for 10% off your total order. And just in case you are operating heavy machinery right now and you can't access a notebook, I will put the link in the show notes just for you. So we've got sensuality and we've got playfulness, both as two ingredients that amplify our enjoyment in sex and even getting us turned on. But there is more. While I've been a part of so many different communities and trainings to expand my own understanding around sexuality, including Tantra, BDSM, non-traditional relating, poly, sex parties, and I've talked about all of these in previous podcast episodes. So if you're curious about any of those topics, I've got it. I've got it for you. (laughs) But here I'm going to share with you what I've learned about sex and my own body as a result of having sex with other women or queer femme. And I really put a lot of emphasis on how much I grew as a sexual being from exploring with women because A, sex with women is not based on what, well, I speak for myself, what I was previously used to around this idea of sex. Like it really helped me to expand the concept of of sex because there isn't that cock in the pussy or, you know, penetration focused, um, unless you use a strap on, but that's beyond this exact point. It also helped me to be met with exactly how I like it, which let me, let me expand what I mean by that is it was almost like this mirror because me and the other woman or queer femme had the same bits. Now, I'm not saying that our bits all liked the same thing because we have the same bits, but the translation of pleasure seem to be understood more easily. And and I'll expand into what I mean by that. For the first time that I had sex with women, I genuinely was afraid that I wasn't going to know what to do. And 
insert the the pressures from our cultural collective of you know this pressure of to be a good lover you pretty much have to know how to already do it <laughs> when you get in there and i think for so many of us it can be hard for us to be vulnerable around that and especially the cultural pressures on men to to have to already know how to have pleasurable sex or be a you know sex god or be a great lover and and Again, this comes back to this idea of sensuality around playfulness, around taking responsibility for your own orgasm to alleviate the pressure for ourselves to perform or to get somebody else off. So here I am entering into these experiences with women and and thank God I, I do, even though I was aware of that pressure, there was that pressure on myself and also letting pleasure be my compass to allow me to figure this out as I go. What's beautiful is with the with the first women that I was able to to explore with, we were able to have that conversation and say, I I feel vulnerable around this. I feel yes, I am a sex therapist and and I still feel vulnerable. I, you know, am not adept in the techniques except what I know in theory and have taught, you know, people how to do, but here I am being in this, in this new role. And so when we can be vulnerable, when we can communicate to another person, we can end up relaxing more in our body, especially when it's received well by the other person. If it's not received well, then this isn't a safe container for us and it's already going to inhibit our pleasure potential. We want to be able to explore and try things out and lean in. Also in the first experiences, it was expressed of the intention around exploration, which I think took the pressure off of both people. You know, we could enter into this play and explore, but there wasn't that um, pressure to have to know what to do. And then also setting up parameters. So setting up boundaries of where you'd like to start. So there I, I set the intention of exploration and I wasn't open to penetration with her. I wasn't, you know, we weren't wanting to put on a strap on. It was just more of like a let's let's lean into this and, and experience each other, which I think also takes the pressure off it of like having to have specific techniques ready at hand, but more of, um, yeah, being in pleasure as our guide. So here are some tips and techniques for sex with women that I really think can be accessed by whatever gender you personally identify with or your sexual orientation, because this is about how to please a pussy. And if you've got a pussy or you enjoy pleasuring pussies, being in the pleasure of pussies, then share this episode with the ones that you make love to. And let's all just bring a culture of pleasured pussies and back into our culture. Yeah? Okay, first things first. Lots of lube. Like, wet pussies are always feel better. And while some of us can access more lubrication naturally than others, 
There can be contextual factors that inhibit our ability to to have lubricate uh, natural lubrication. There may be biological or hormone challenges that can impact our lubrication. Um, also, I just really enjoy the wetness that lubrication can provide. So sometimes we can help ourselves with with some lube. One of my favorites is Uber Lube, and you can use code. EPS 10 to get 10% off. Um, but you can also just tune into how much time you are giving the body for its arousal to, to naturally build and progress. Now, wetness is not a good indication of somebody's turn on, mainly because the body and the mind, you know, the mind of the arousal of the mind and the arousal of the body can sometimes not be in, in connection with each other. So we experience this as disconcordance, meaning that sometimes we get wet, but we're not actually turned on in the mind and sometimes vice versa. In the mind, we're really turned on and we really want the person, but our pussy runs dry. And so no, don't tune into that as being the sole evidence of somebody being turned on. Ask the person, tune into them, but also pay attention to other elements of the body. You know, is the body becoming flushed? Is the nipples going hard? Is is there a um, engorgement of the lips? You know, all of these are important important cues to tune into. Similarly, if her if her pussy is opening and inviting versus clenching, like the, this is important. Her body is speaking. Her body is intelligent. So. So even if the body isn't opening up or if she's not wet enough, you know, tuning into her and um, and asking if if there is a contextual factor that is that is inhibiting the arousal or if there is something that could help her body open more. Now, I do recognize that I'm using the term her, and I really want to emphasize that this, I want to be inclusive of all vulva owners. So I may be using the term her, yet I'm referring to they and non-binary as well. Next tip. I think uh, similar to what we talked about earlier, where we have this idea, this cultural idea around sex is penetration. But then what happens when a sex, when a woman has sex with another woman or femme um, or vulva owner, there doesn't have to be that penetration. But what is can be really powerful and pleasurable is grinding or really spreading the pressure of the vulva onto larger surface areas and not even directly on the clit, but rather uh, spreading this out. The reason for this, for some of us vulva owners, the, the clitoris con direct connection to the clitoris and, and especially earlier in this stage of arousal can be not welcome. <laughs> like it can almost be for some of the short circuiting it could be too intense. It could be we're just the body's just not uh, ready for that yet. The body may need to be turned on more in order for that to feel good. But grinding pelvis into one another, pelvis into the other person or pelvis into the pillow or into the couch edge and <laughs> you know, get creative. Uh, but this 
this is pleasurable not only because it takes that direct and focused pressure off of the clit, but it we the clitoris is more than just that little button that peeks out and says, hello, I'm here. It actually extends back behind it inside the body and looks like this little wishbone thing going on with these bulbs. It's actually made up of the same tissues of the of the penis. Uh, but it goes inside rather than hanging down low. So by grinding, you actually can stimulate these, these inner parts, this little, little clit wishbone that extends in a wider area of, of the body. Now, this is great, whether for anybody really, but especially for for those who have difficulty with any sort of insertion or painful penetration, because again, it's inviting that sex doesn't have to be inside. It can be everything. So finding a lot of pleasure in just the grinding of things or of your pelvis. Um, Also tools like energetics. You know, I've had some of the best sex with women and we were just moving energy through our bodies and we were moving energy by breath work, you know, relaxing our breath, relaxing our jaw and moving our pelvises together, you know, doing that grinding experience or even just relaxing into it. I actually have some really powerful breathwork practices in my Sensual Awakening 14-Day Initiation uh, program where I give several breathing and surrender practices for amplifying the pleasure, the orgasm, and this sexual energy that moves through the body. Vulva owners, and truthfully for for people with cocks as well, you can also squeeze and flex your your PC muscles. So these are all of the pelvic floor muscles that that make up this your pelvic bowl that can. Mm, when being engaged can bring more better blood circulation to the area can also feel really pleasurable whether something is inserted inside or nothing is inserted inside this can be really fun and not only drops your attention here into your pelvis but can help with arousal and the building of your sexual energy here Now, for anybody who does want to play with insertion, again, it doesn't have to be a P in the V. It can also be taken into stages, stages of depth, stages of pressure, stages of pace, because we can think about intervaginally, there's like like many different dance floors that the two of you can can dance on. <laughs> and so if we think about that, if we break it up into that, then it changes up this, again, the cultural image of sex as being just like this in and out, in and out, you know, and, and deep thrust and, and whatever, but it can make it a whole complex and beautiful dance. And, and when we think of it like that, how much more present we can drop into the, the differences of the experience. So beginning with being shallow, you know, and this is everything from 
a toy or a finger or the palm of your hand pressing against the entrance of the pussy and it's just pressing in just the 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 very very tip of it so this is like mm, zero to to half an inch in and that's it so it's just playing with this outer outer experience and you can do this by palm of the hand in or maybe even the the pads of the finger or the tip of your cock and just inserting in that half inch maybe even starting at the top and brushing it down or starting more pressing on the bottom entrance of her pussy and bringing and scooping it up and out and and that's it that's it. That can be the whole thing. That can be your whole sexual experience. And I, in my personal experience, and this has been with um, pussy owners or with with um, cock owners, but that can be so mind blowing because as long as you also have the added anticipation, not only the sensual experience because you have all the sensory receptors right there, but the the anticipation of it that's built up of like, oh my God, it's almost there, it's almost there. And sometimes that for some of us, that anticipation factor is is almost better if not better, I personally think it's one of my favorite things ever, um, than, than deep thrusting or medium thrusting. Okay. Second dance floor. You can go inside about an inch and on the anterior wall, that's the upper wall and then play around with G spot stimulation. So the G spot or the G area is a whole space inside of her pussy that can be stimulated from the inside. And the best way to stimulate this is by bringing two fingers and curling them facing upward and doing a gentle come hither, um, movement with your hand over and over again there's a there's a can be now this is this is the challenging part it can be experienced or felt or discovered by many and then for other people it is harder to to discover it's harder to find um, nobody is the same exact layout of the dance floors intervaginally um, for but typically how I would describe it is is feeling for a very spongy fun spongy texture inside her vagina that's about an inch inward and up. Now this repeated pressure here, whether it's from a G-spot stimulating toy or from your fingers or from um, or from your cock, this can be um, it can build up fluids from her female prostate gland and um, to the point where pressure builds, you might start to hear and feel a sloshing sound that's happening. And that's just in prep for, for the potential ejaculation or female squirting. Now, not every woman or vulva owner is going to be able to squirt. I don't want that to become a goal because when this becomes a goal, ding, 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 this goes back to the pressure of the patriarchal image around either um, sex as a performance, sex as a goal or orgasm as a goal, or we're going somewhere, or I make you squirt, or I do this to you. And we don't want to do that. So let's 
turn this into exploration. Let's relax into it. Let's breathe into it. Uh, women, if you feel like you're about to pee and you've been playing with this G-spot, more than likely you might be about to squirt. But if you are clenching or if you're holding back because you're afraid you're going to pee or you're afraid you're going to make a mess, you're afraid this other, the other, you might experience a harder time of being able to relax enough to ejaculate. So keep that in mind. For any sort of deeper penetration or more fullness, uh, this can be really fun in the pussy of thinking about um, the, the fullness or really filling her or them up. And you can use this again with a cock, a toy, or even the hand. So playing with um, two fingers, three fingers, or even curling your hand into what we call the silent duck for the fullness of the hand or AKA fisting. So that sensation of fullness for a vulva owner can be really exciting and very satisfying. Again, we wanna to talk to them first just to check in ahead of all of this play and say, hey, I want to try these things or what are you interested in trying and how does that sound? Lots of lubrication for any of this type of play um, just to help keep things pleasurable, slick and, and wet. Finally, for the deepest penetration, we can play with cervical stimulation and we can use that with a toy a toy that is specific to cervical stimulation, or we can play with a cock or a strap-on. But the important part of any sort of cervical stimulation is to A, go very slow. I would say starting with gentle taps onto the back. And mm, I would first say bring them into a high state of arousal. So really relaxing, turning on the rest of their body, making sure that their, their bodies are ready to receive. We don't want to force anything in there. We don't want to push anything past her pussy. We want her pussy to open and receive whatever it is that we are bringing in. And even with that, if we think of arousal as this spectrum, now, at the beginning stages, she may just now be opening up, but the more that we turn the body on, the more that she will, her body will open to receive and also experience higher states of pleasure. That's what we want. The cervix for many women can be a point of tenderness or pain, especially if A, she's never done any sort of training or play or stimulation of the cervix before, or B, her body's still cold or it's not warm up enough. So anytime you want to play with the, with the back wall or the, the cervix, um, uh, the cervix is the entrance between the vagina and the uterus, then you'll want to do little gentle taps on the back slow. Maybe you even want to play up with a variation of, of uh, dancing on the different dance floors. <laughs> Maybe you start with shallow and then you go in schmedium and then you go gently press against the back. See how her body responds. Tap, tap in the back and then bring it back out into shallow and then insert halfway and then maybe tap, tap in the back. You know, there's with all of these that I've just presented here. We can do any of these activities and still a vulva owner can need, I, I think 
highlighting the variation aspect of the play. So we don't want to fall into this rut of, oh, I learned that her pussy responds to this way, so I'm only going to do that one thing and keep going at it. That can oftentimes bore, I'm going to say it, it, the the sensory receptors become bored. They're like, at first they're like so excited, like, oh yeah, I'm being stimulated in this way. And then like a minute later, they're like, are we still doing this thing? Like that's your sensory receptors talking here. So if we back off to a specific technique and we allow the energy to rebuild and then come back to it, sometimes we it can be just exciting the second time as it was the first time, but not if we consistently go at the same thing at the same time. So hopefully from this conversation that we just had, you have some some material to play with. And, and notice I emphasize the play because this is all experimentation, experimentation. This is all fun. Let's go in there and see what, what we can identify with, what we resonate with. And, and let's break this concept of what sex is supposed to be like, who it's supposed to be for, and really create a permission for us to create the sex life that is authentic to us and that we want. Lovers, thank you again for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, hit subscribe and head over to eatplaysex.com to connect with me and grab my sexy guides. Because my goal here is to get you to eat, play, and sex better so you can improve your sex life, which will improve every aspect of your life. Until next time, keep it sexy.